I want to read to you from Psalm 100. First of all, Psalm 100 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We just came through Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is, is an awesome time for us, obviously, to just to pause for a moment and think about who God is in our lives uh, and to think about His faithfulness. But if you're anything like, like me, um, Thanksgiving gets crowded, chaotic, and full pretty quickly, right? And if you're honest with yourselves, and you would say, okay, did I really pause long enough to think what I'm grateful for and take some time? Probably a lot of us would be like, yeah, I thought about it as I was doing things, but maybe didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Um, life happens, and sometimes, unfortunately, Thanksgiving becomes called uh, more about Turkey Day than anything else. Isn't that sad? It's like Happy Turkey Day. Really? Happy Turkey Day. And one of the challenges I think we have in this country is the sense of entitlement. You know, because when you're entitled, you don't have to thank anybody because you deserve it. They owe it to you, right? How many of you actually thank your employer for their paycheck, for your pay paycheck? Probably most of you go, no, you're welcome. You know, it's what I deserve. And we've got to be careful that we don't become complacent in our gratitude. Um, you know, just having some conversations with people today, and, and I'm not picking on anybody this morning, but if you've lived in this country all your life, a lot of you don't know what you have. This is true. If you've never been out of, the, out of this country and seen some other places in this world, it's enough to say, God, I am thankful to be here in the U.S. And I'm not saying this country isn't full of its own problems because we have our own problems, but God has blessed us to be here. Um, so I want to ask you this morning, what are you praising God for? Why is it that he deserves your praise? What is it that he has done? Um, and I want you to think about that because I am going to take the mic down here in a, in a couple seconds and give you an opportunity to preach this message with me. Um, one of the fears we have when we take a mic into the congregation is that someone will hijack it. You laugh because you've probably experienced it. You know, the guy gets the mic, he's here for half an hour. And the pastor's gently trying to say, I need the mic back. So don't be that guy or that gal. But we do want you to share what God has done. And, 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 you know, so many times when God moves in our lives, we keep it to ourselves. And, and it's, really, it's really not the right thing to do because, you know, I really feel like those belong to everybody. Uh, when we declare, you know, what he has done, there are people sitting in this congregation who need to hear what God has done for you because it's going to build them. God doesn't just do it for you. He does it for those around, uh, around you. Um, at so many of, of my times, when I think back in my life of the things that I'm grateful for, and I'm not just talking about the last week, I just mean a lifetime, most of my gratitude comes out of the valleys in life. It's not so much the high places that it comes from. Israel was constantly being corrected, chastised, because in the good times... They forgot who God was, and they never really thanked him. And so I am grateful for the times in my life that were low for those valleys. When I think about what I'm grateful for, it always ties into a hard time, because it's been in that hard time 
that God has revealed himself again and again and again. It's because of those low times that those words to that song, great is thy faithfulness, mean something. I think you and I sing that from the depths of our hearts when we think about his faithfulness through some incredibly challenging times. Uh, and I have found, too, in my life that as I, as I am facing a challenge or um, a trial or whatever the case might be, so many times I go to the Lord and I just want to pray, God, help me through this and, and pray for this. But I found that when I pause and I just start praising him for all that he's done, what happens is as I begin to list them, more come to my mind. Things that I hadn't thought about in a while. And I just begin to thank him. And I begin to, as I thank him and recall his faithfulness, what happens to my faith is it increases so much. And then whatever I'm going through is put into perspective. Like that trial that I'm facing is not so big anymore when I realize and recognize the faithfulness of God and everything that he's done. The things that he's kept um, us from and the things that he's kept us through because it's both. He doesn't always keep us from everything, but he keeps us through them. And so I am grateful to God for all of the, the amazing things he's done. I'm grateful for the trials in my life. I am grateful uh, you know, I think about the time Michael ran across Washington Street here on July 4th and how he was almost hit four times and nobody was there back when he was about four years old. Uh, I am grateful. I've never forgotten that. And I am grateful to God because in that moment, as terrified as I was when I found out about after he was safe, I felt like God said to me, I've always got him when you don't. But what are you grateful for? Would you like to share? I saw this coming in worship. David, you were praising God. I was like, David's going to share. You know, the way God works is unbelievable because for the worship, I wanted to just stand up and say something, but it's amazing <laughs> I waited because Pastor Selwyn has given us the time. <laughs> but I want to, there's a, my, my young, my youth hero as a, as a songster was Andre Crouch. Andre Crouch. And a song I, I used to sing when I was young, I loved that song, it said, I thank God for the mountain. I thank God for the valleys. I mm. thank God for the storms he's brought me through. For if I'd never had such problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. Right. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Amen. And this morning, I can tell you, that's my testimony. Why I, want to, I was so excited this morning, because some of you may not know, but my wife, Miranda, my wife of 31 years, Amen. she's not well kidney-wise. You, know? you look at her, she doesn't look that way. But she recently, the last report was she only has 4% kidney function. 96% gone out of both kidneys. And the doctors are scared for her. But you know what? We walk by faith and not by sight. And we, want, we think of her being a testimony to the doctors that what? Man is limited to God is unlimited. You know? And the second thing, so I want to thank God for keeping my wife. You know, she's not here this morning because she, she has a little cold and so she wants, she rest, she's resting. But she's doing okay, other than that. And the second thing I want to thank God for is, some of you may not know, but I was having, since my wife lost her job way back in 2007, we had just bought the house and we were encountering financial difficulties. She was the biggest breadwinner and she lost that job. And so I struggled. For years we tried modification. It, it wasn't working. I was on the point of giving up. But then recently in July or, or so, 
you know, I finally decided, Lord Jesus, you've got to do something. I can't take it no more, you know. And believe you me, I went, you know, they sent me a letter from my, the mortgage company, and I, I decided, okay, I'm going to redo the papers because I've been doing it over and over and over, and they just keep, you know, pulling me off. But you know what? We were praying and asking the Lord to give us a mortgage between twelve and $1,500. Hear that? We were paying almost $2,900 between the mark for the mortgage. You know what God did? He did something wonderful. In January, he wiped out the second mortgage. The company said, okay, we forgive you. You don't owe us that money. Wow. And then in October or, or August, they said, you know what? We're going to modify that loan, and your loan payment is going to be $1,495. Half of what they used to pay. You, let me tell you. I want to say something to you. Let me say something to you. You know, it may take a while, but you cannot give up on God because he does not give up on you. He teaches you through those situations. And I learned to trust him more, you know. And I can praise God this morning for what is. And believe me, I'm not special. We all are special. So yours is in the, in the pipeline coming. Don't give up. Trust him. <laughs> Amen. You can go home now. No, I'm just kidding. You should have asked for $12.95. You don't give that range like that. But be, be detailed in your prayers, right? God said, I'm going to beat it by $5. Jimmy. I'll do a couple of things. First, I want to thank the Lord for my uh, godly heritage here, from, where, from my aunt down to my grandmother and, mm -hmm. yes, my mom. So just want to throw that out first. And, and, early, and second of all, earlier this year, I had, I had to have surgery on my a ankle. It was in the tibia thing. So it was, it was uh, tragic at first, but I can, uh, but since when I was moved to the re rehab, it was like, and see God here, here and here. It's like, oh, I know, I know this, I know this person from your family. Then I had a room to my own, which no one ever had in my, in my, uh, in, in the rehab, just a room to myself. And then and there was a clock. I didn't arrange this. It said faith, family, friends. And, and, and to top that all off, um, I, I was going downstairs for soda or something, and I noticed, oh, Jonathan Mulaji works there. I'm like, okay, God, I'm covered. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jimmy. God is good. I want to thank all you wonderful people that prayed for me while I broke my arm. And it's healing great, and I just want to tell you I am so grateful to God. He's got me through a lot of things. Thank you. Absolutely, Trish. Absolutely. Making me walk. <laughs> Hello. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for my family, my son, um, to be alive today. Uh, I've, I've, you know, he's kept me alive through, for years, through many things I shouldn't have lived through. Um, and because of that, I had 20 months clean yesterday. Amen. <laughs> and um, my family is restored back in my life. I have a great family with my son and my boyfriend here and my mother. And um, just, it's, it's wild. I, never, I did not have this 20 months ago. I had nothing. I was sitting in jail. So... I mean, yeah. 
we prayed for Shell for a long time, and God is faithful. It's her testimony, and it's ours as well, but we're, we're glad to have you with us, Shell. You raised your hand, right? Yes. Okay, you look at me like, why are you giving me the mic? time that I feel like I want to take the microphone because I just want to whisper it to someone and then walk away. But um, while we were singing, one of the things that was popping out to me is it's, I won't say it's easy, but it's easy for us after whatever we've been brought through to look back and go, oh, thank you for the storm because, not to sound rude, but it's easy to say thank you for the storm when you're standing under the sun. You're like, oh, thanks for that because you're looking back on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up thinking my grandmother, who, like, thanks God for everything wrong, was insane. I didn't get it. She, she didn't wait till it was better. She thanked him while she was sick, and I didn't understand it ever. And there's a million people in this room who have been praying for their own apartment situation with me for months and months. And today is just, like, one of those feelings of, what has he done? He hasn't yet. He hasn't given me the apartment yet, and that's okay, because... The fact that every day I've been like, it's okay, he has it. Is I never saw myself being one of those crazy people that are like, he didn't do anything yet. What are you thanking him for? I don't understand. I didn't get it when I was a kid, but I'm here. I'm actually acknowledging that he's faithful, and I'm giving it back. I'm actually being faithful for once, where usually I wait until it's better, and then I can say thank you. Now I'm saying thank you now because right. I know you have it, and even if you haven't done anything yet, it's because it's not time yet. And you have something better, and he's going to do something better when it's time. So, Felicia is not one of the crazy people. <laughs> well, I, 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 I never do this. But um, I, I've been having a rough time at my job. And I'm one of those people that give everything to my job, probably more than I should. Well, I say more than I should, but <laughs> I, I can't help it. Um, and they really did me a huge misservice. And I, I'm, I'm a poodle when, you know, most of the time, but when you, I'm, I'm, I'm loyal. But when you're not loyal back to me, I'm like a Doberman. It's, it's over. <laughs> so I was getting ready to go in that office and probably lose my job. <laughs> um, and uh, I felt like I deserved to say, I had the right to say everything I was going to say because I wasn't wrong. And uh, I was about to go in that office, and um, God spoke as, as clear as day. He said, Natasha, just shut your mouth. And really, not very, not gently, he basically said it just like that. <laughs> and um, it was really hard for me to be obedient in, in, that, in that way, but I did. And I gave everyone at my job the silent treatment. Because I couldn't say it, my attitude was nasty. And um, he, he was like, I don't, I don't want the attitude either. You're going to go in there, and you're going to act like everything is OK. And it was, it, that was probably one of the hardest things I, I had to do, one of the hardest things, to go in and act like everything was OK. And I was OK with, with these people. But, um, 
And every day I, I said, you know what? I give this to you, God. And then, but, but you know, <laughs> you know, like every day I was teetering on the edge of going in there and saying something. But as time went by, it just got easier. And I go into work. Last week I went into work and all week I was like, I, I can't believe I was that upset. Um, I just have, the, the situation has not changed at all. But there is a piece that I have. I don't Praise even God. remember quite what Praise the situation God. was. Um, I just go in. I'm not fake like I was before. I genuinely am just happy to be at work. So that in itself is a testament <laughs> to who he is for me. Because I, I, I really thought I was going to fly off the handle that time. So. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Hi, you don't know me. I'm new um, to this church, um, but I want to tell you how faithful God has been to me. Um, I moved here about two years ago, a little over two, about two and a half years ago from Florida, and I was involved in a very big mega um, evangelical Christian church, which I absolutely loved, um, Christ Fellowship, and was very difficult to leave my church family, but I, I moved here to be with my daughter, my granddaughter. And I've been searching for a church ever since. Um, been to this church, that church, and I just haven't found the place to be. And um, it isn't even necessarily the the uh, denomination; it's the inspiration, and it's it's what moves you and gets right. you up on your feet and praising mm-hmm. God the way He deserves to be praised. Um, but anyway, God. So I'm very grateful for God working through other people in. So I had a, a divine appointment, I'll call it, with Corey. And we were doing our thing, and she was talking about her, her faith and her, her, relig- her, her um, uh, what she does here in the church and, and this place, and, of course, invited me to come. And so I did come. I came once a few weeks ago, and then I'm here today. And I have to tell you that you are very similar to my church in Florida. You're just like a little mini version of it. <laughs> but it's, it's wonderful to be able to be on my feet and praising God the way he deserves to be praised. And I am so grateful that he didn't bail out on me because, you know, I've, I've, you, know it, you get discouraged and you think, oh, I can do without this. But I am a different person when I have this in my life. I'm just a better person. I'm a nicer person. I remember you know, why we're all here together. So um, that's what I'm so Amen. grateful Thank for. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. Awesome. Hi, my name is Sean. Uh, I'm new to this church. I've been here uh, three or four times or maybe five times. Uh, I'm grateful for my job at Home Depot. Um, my uh, daughter and grandson, and um, my, the rest of my family, my friends. Um, I'm grateful for uh, February 16th this year. I'll have uh, three years sober and clean. Awesome. Uh, And I've been a born-again 
born again Christian for uh, like 10 years or more or less. I can't remember the exact date I been, uh, was baptized. Uh, I was baptized from uh, Randy Cahill at, uh, at um, Calvary Chapel and uh, I went to a Christian retreat at Marriott in Quincy at Crown Colony Park and got baptized there in the pool. Uh, and I'm grateful for this church being here uh, for me to come to it. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, Don. Um, my name is Heather, and I too am semi new to this church. And um, I just want to say that I'm grateful for each of you because um, I had been praying. I have a daughter who's 13, and um, I had been praying for a youth group for her. Um, and uh, this summer I started the search, and I found you guys. So I just want to say I'm incredibly grateful for Corey and um, Tim and Pastor Selwyn and Lori and the entire youth group. And I just want to say thank you. I haven't met all of you yet, but... Um, for those of you who I have met, um, you've been incredibly gracious and you've welcomed us into your family. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, we don't read scripture in here. No, just kidding. Um, um, I'm sorry. I just want to I, I say how good and awesome that God is. I mean, everybody knows, but I just want to say it again. <laughs> um, life has been hectic for me in the last couple of months um, with three toddlers and working and starting school again. And it's just been very overwhelming. And, um, and God just had to remind me of his faithfulness, that he hasn't forgotten me, that he's with me at all times. And I just wanted to share the Psalm uh, 145 because I've been reading it every single day. And it's God's reminder to me that he is there. He's gracious. He's loving. So I just wanted to share it with everybody. Um, so if you're going through a tough time um, or you're in the valley, um, pick up your Bible and read the Psalm. It just It's a wonderful Psalm. Um, psalm 45, I will exalt you. God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. God is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. Mm. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All of your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all the people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures mm -hmm. through all generations. 
The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Awesome. Awesome. All right, we'll do one more. Hi, sorry you guys have to get a crick in your neck. Um, I just want to give thanks to God because we had been, Denzel and I, we put our house on the market and um, the value had dropped and we kind of had to thrash it out with our realtor to price it higher than she wanted us to price it at. But I really praise God because when he does something, his signature is all over it. Mm -hmm. So we put our house on the market the week before Labor Day and she said, let's just set expectations. There's not going to be anybody coming. And, you know, we'll probably have to have a couple more open houses. And um, so Denzel and I, we just prayed. And uh, that weekend, the weekend before Labor Day, there was no parking on the street. There were that many people who came to the open house. And by the third day, we had eight offers, more than we had listed the house, $10,000 more than we had listed the house for. So we, we shared with the realtor, and we said, well, we've been praying about this. And she said, I need to get me on this prayer list because this is amazing. So I really want to thank God for, for showing his faithfulness so, so beautifully and so amazingly that even somebody who doesn't know him recognized that he was working in our lives. So I just want to thank God that our house sold and everything went well. And I, will, I want to give him all the glory. Amen. Amen. We are um, starting today on uh, a series on worship, and um, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was because this is really the core of where worship comes from, right? I mean, the core of where worship comes from, comes from, it comes from your heart. If you think about when you're singing, great is thy faithfulness, you're singing it because the faithfulness of God in a dire situation or circumstance um, you can sing worship and it not be worship. You can teach Sunday school and it not be worship. You can give the biggest check in the offering and it not be worship. What, what separates it, what actually makes it worship of God is when it comes from this amazing gratitude and the recognition of God's divine presence and his power and his authority in your life. That's what makes it worship. And when we worship God, when we sing songs that are coming from here, When we sing, great is thy faithfulness with a recognition of his faithfulness in your work, his faithfulness in in, in helping you through an addiction, his faithfulness with toddlers, whatever it is, you know, where 
wherever you are, when you sing it with that on your mind and that on your heart. Let me tell you, there are times between both services that we do where first service is a lot fewer people than second service, but they will overpower second service's worship. It feels like it's a crazy full house because you can tell, wow, and then second service will be like, okay, there's something different. And there are times where second service just... It's bigger anyway, but it overpowers first service. You can just see that sometimes, you know, when you, not sometimes, but when you sing from your heart, you know, worship with, your, with, with songs and scriptures, it's what we should be doing. But when it comes from your heart, it's amazing. When we share what God is doing um, in our lives, and, and again, we need to be doing this just one to another, not necessarily just in a corporate setting. But what that does for you, I just want to ask you just real quick, how many of you are struggling with something and heard somebody say something today that helped you, right? Can you raise your hands up kind of high real quick? That's a lot of hands, right? You guys know that sometimes the answer to your prayer lies with the person right next to you? That's so true. It is so true. But sometimes we just keep it all inside. We don't share our problems. We don't share. And this is, it's unscriptural. We're supposed to just talk to each other. And, and, find, and, and we have no idea. We could be saying, God, you haven't answered my prayers in five years. And he says, well, you haven't listened to me in five years. If you just share with somebody, the answer to your prayer is the pew right behind you. But you won't open your mouth. Because maybe you're too proud or you're too whatever it may be and you won't. But I want to pause for a second before we go any further. And I want us to pray. If you have a need, if you have a need, would you just raise your hand? If you see hands, would you just get up from your seats and gather around them? I don't mind. Just everybody get up and gather around people with with hands up. If you have a need, if people have a need, I don't want anybody here that's not being prayed for. We can do this. Raise your hand up, and we want to pray. And let's come before God with confidence because there have been so many things that God has covered in here already. And he's had these stories shared because he had you on his mind and your need and your challenge. He doesn't love the people who've already experienced this any more than he loves you. And you can expect his faithfulness in your circumstance. Lord Jesus, we come before you. God, we just thank you for the wonderful testimonies of your faithfulness, God. God, we thank you that your faithfulness has existed not just in our lifetime, Lord God, but thousands of years before we even arrived on this earth. And God, should you tarry thousands of years after us, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that the plans that you have for us are good plans to prosper us, to give us hope in the future, God. God, we thank you that you hold our jobs in, in your hands. God, we thank you for the words that tell us to keep our mouths shut, Lord God. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your help with, with mortgages, Lord Jesus, and finances and selling of houses and addictions. God, we thank you for, for, for just answered prayers, Lord God, for the loved ones that we pray for, God. And we just come to you with boldness and with confidence this morning morning, and a father who spoke and formed this, words, this world by his words, Lord Jesus, and we know that all authority and all power in heaven and earth is yours. God, and if you are for us, then no one can stand against us, Lord Jesus, and so we bring our needs before you as, as you have called us and told us to, and God, we say, Father, would you intervene? Would you, would you meet every single need, not according to our will, but according to your will, Lord Jesus? that your name would be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing. I want to encourage you to, to you know, again, as, as to, when we think about Israel, Israel was so guilty all the time, which basically means the church is guilty of not recognizing and thanking God. And it, if you haven't done that, 
I encourage you to do that um, with your families. Uh, I think it would be an awesome thing to take some of the things that God has done even years and years ago and share them with your kids. Um, it's why they built altars. Um, they want these stories told and told and told. Um, but this morning, I want to get into John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, uh, so you can open your Bibles. I do not have a PowerPoint for you. Uh, I told First Service, if you feel entitled to the PowerPoint, we'll pray for you. But John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, uh, And, and when I think about worship, this particular story is, to me, is just this beautiful picture of, of, of the worship of God that he deserves. The story is also found uh, in Mark 14 and Matthew 26, but we'll read from John. Again, John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and, he, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the, the, the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later betray, to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Again, like I said, in Mark 14 and Matthew 26, we get more of the story. So between all of them, we can pull more details into it. But in Matthew and Mark, Jesus says something pretty powerful about this act of love and this act of worship that Mary does. And he, this is what he tells uh, Judas in particular, but he tells everybody in the room. He says this, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is so moving to Jesus, what he says when, when, when she is challenged by this crazy act of worship is this. He says, no, what she has done is so beautiful and so genuine and so pure and so much from her heart that despite what anybody th 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 here thinks, what she has done will be talked about from this point forward. See, reading this story to you now, I guarantee this is not the first time you've actually heard this, right? You've heard this story many times. That moment was just basically just engraved and said from here on out with the gospel, her worship of Jesus Christ will be part of this gospel message, and we get to talk about it today. Worship is, is not the slow songs that we, that we sing. Worship is not the amount that you place in the offering. It's not whether you teach Sunday school or not. These can certainly be acts of worship, but if it's not coming from this appreciation for who God is, then it's not nothing more than just acts of service or whatever it may be, but it's not worship. And, and there are, when we think of worship, there are numerous definitions for worship, but the one that I, that I think captures it the most comes from Webster's Dictionary, and this is what Webster's refers to as worship. Worship is to honor with extravagant love, 
an extreme submission. Let me repeat that. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. So this act of, 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 of by Mary is done extravagantly. That's extravagant love. And this act of worship by Mary is done without a song being sung, without a single word being said in this complete silence. She just walks up because of her adoration, her appreciation, her gratitude for who Jesus is and what he has done. And that's existing in her heart. See, the core of this, I love this, what Jesus said would be recorded from here on out was not a song. It wasn't a check. It was the heart of this woman. For us to understand this, this story a little bit better, we need to understand that several days earlier, Mary and Martha, you would find them mourning for their brother Lazarus. Lazarus um, had died, and they were all friends with Jesus, and Lazarus had died, and they had actually sent word to Jesus who was away, that, hey, he was sick and he, and, and, and he needed to get here. And when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Just several days earlier, Mary and Martha had been there mourning and grieving. When you think of death and you think of four days, you know, that's really dead. I know once you die, you die. But you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, even the Jews said this. Like, after a certain period of hours, they believed your spirit departed from you. Well, the four days was after that period of hours. And so even the Jews, they're like, okay, this is impossible. And so it, didn't, it wasn't like he just died. He was dead for four days when Jesus showed up. And so when Jesus shows up, Martha greets him, comes back and gets Mary. Mary finds out that Jesus is here, and she runs out towards Jesus. She is heartbroken. She is distraught. She is overwhelmed at the loss of her brother. She doesn't understand why Jesus didn't come. And she runs out to Jesus and finds him where he is, and she falls at his feet weeping and says, if you'd only been here, this wouldn't happen. And it's in this moment where she is at Jesus' feet, heartbroken, distraught, in this valley, in this trial, in this difficult time. I love the reaction of Jesus because his heart joins hers. It's where we read, Jesus wept. And as he looks at her, his heart joins hers and his own tears would join hers as, she, as he weeps in sorrow for her. And he says, take me to Lazarus. And so they take him to Lazarus, and he says, Martha, open up the tomb. And she said, it's been four days. There's going to be an odor if we open up this tomb. Just days earlier, not too long earlier, this was happening. What triggered this amazing gratitude in the heart of Mary? What triggered this amazing act of worship? In the heart of Mary, let me tell you what it was. It was an incredibly deep valley. It was an incredibly deep valley that led to an incredible act of extravagant love and worship. And so that story leads us to this story. And what I love about this is this is a dinner that is being put on to honor Jesus. If you read Mark and Matthew, you see that it's held in Simon's house, Simon the leper. 
If you know anything about leprosy, if you have leprosy, you no longer have a house. You've been kind of moved away from society. You've been pushed away. But see, the whole reason why this dinner was being held in Simon's house is because he was no longer a leper. He was no longer a leper because Jesus had set him free. And so here's this picture of this dinner in honor of Jesus, and it's held in a house where it shouldn't have been held with a man that shouldn't have been able to even socialize with anyone, and the only reason he could hold it was because of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And Jesus had restored his health and restored his life and restored him back into community, basically, with others. And so it's at Simon's house, the leper, that this... This dinner in honor of Jesus being held. And here's Martha serving as Martha does. And, and next to Jesus reclined on this couch is the man that was dead for four days. Mary and Martha's brother. So this whole setting, you've got to understand how this must have been for Mary. Here's Simon. This is impossible. And here's my brother just days ago, whatever the time frame was that passed, I was mourning for four days. I experienced the loss and the grief of losing a loved one, losing a family member. I know the pits of that and how dark and how tough it was. And I can't believe what I am seeing. Here on this couch is my brother, and he is a very much alive and he's eating with Jesus and she's overwhelmed by this and full of gratitude and she does what only she knows to do. She has this incredibly expensive perfume. When we say expensive, we understand that it's about a year's worth of wages. So just for the sake of saying it, let's just say it's $50,000 worth of perfume. Any ladies have $50,000 and you're still married, <laughs> or <laughs> any lady would like $50,000 worth of perfume. And so, so here she comes, and she, just, and she sees Jesus, and I can only imagine, maybe I'm taking liberties here, but I don't think I'm taking too many. And she sees Jesus, and I just think this whole thing was just so overwhelming and so powerful and so moving that she, just, she had to do something, and words could not contain what she felt in her heart. Words cannot express the gratitude, the joy, this love, this appreciation. And so she has this extravagant love, appreciation for Jesus, and she sees him. And all she can do is just fall on her knees while weeping and pour all of this perfume onto Jesus' feet. And do what Jewish women wouldn't do, take her hair down in public, and begin to dry his feet with her perfume. In fact, the whole room radiated with her act of worship. Isn't that true about worship? If one person is worshiping God, it can make a room feel something. And so this whole room, and so she's just worshiping. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She doesn't count the cost of the perfume. It doesn't matter to her. She doesn't think about how crazy she must look to the people watching her. She just knows that, man, it doesn't matter about anybody else. This is my extravagant love of who Jesus is. I know what he's done for me, and all I know is I just want to worship him this way. But How many of you guys know that extravagant love and extravagant worship always leads to criticism, right? just does. People who do not understand love and worship, people who do not understand that will criticize it. And here we have another follower of Jesus, and he's standing here, and he's watching this. He's a follower of Jesus, but his heart wasn't in the same place as Mary's. Yes, Judas was a disciple. Yes, Judas betrayed Jesus, but he was a follower of Jesus as well. He spent the same amount of time. He walked with them, yet his heart was in a different place. 
And so he would see this, and his first thought is, what a waste of money. That's all Judas could see was money. That's all he could see was money. And he would say, what a waste of money. And as if he really cared about the poor, he says, man, we could have taken that money and put it in the money bag that I control and eventually help the poor people. What he's really saying is, after I help myself. That's what he was saying, right? I mean, that's the truth. In fact, interesting enough that in that same passage, in that same chapter, it's immediately after this happens that he goes off and betrays Jesus. Right after this amazing act of worship, and I never picked this up until prepping for this. Right after this amazing act of worship and submission and bowing and honoring, in the same passage, after that, he goes and worships the God that he worships. He just does. He goes to the Sanhedrin and he bows before money. He will sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And so here we have this craziness happening, right? We have Judas, and, 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 and he's, he's being critical of, of this situation. He's being critical of Mary. He doesn't understand it. You have Mary, and you've got these two complete opposites in the same room with Jesus. Both followers. Can I say this? They were both following Jesus. And they were both worshipers as well. If we remember what the definition of worship is, it's this extravagant love and extreme submission to someone or something. Extravagant love and extreme submission. You can be a worshiper and be worshiping the wrong thing. See, what we see in this these acts of worship is this. Mary's worship is directed towards Jesus, yet Judas's worship is directed towards himself and money. It's why he couldn't get past the expense of the perfume. Because that was where the value was. See, for Mary, Jesus was more valuable than the perfume, but for Judas, the perfume was more valuable than Jesus. Let me say that again, because I want you to get that. For Mary, Jesus was more valuable than the amount of money in that perfume. But for Judas, the perfume was more valuable than who Jesus was. And both their lives would be directed by their determination of what was valuable in their lives. Because Mary uh, thought Jesus was valuable, everything. She didn't care what others thought. She was going to worship Jesus. She was going to honor him uh, despite other people's thoughts or, or, or criticisms. And, and, and so Judas actually had the same thought. He didn't care about what anybody thought. He didn't care about what the disciples thought about his actions towards Jesus. He didn't care that he had been with them, how they would recognize that he betrayed him. He was so in tune and so focused on his God, the object of his worship, that nothing else mattered except his love for that thing and his submission to it. So their worship determined their paths, their actions, their thoughts. I, um, I remember when I was in Bible school, I was in a chapel service, and there was a guy that used to worship. He used to annoy me. Um, I'm just being honest, all right? I, come on, you've had that, right? All right. And I'm, I was wrong, 
just comes right out. I was wrong. But he, he would get in worship, and I was kind of critical back then. And I love Jesus. But we'd get in worship. There's about 400 people in there. And he would say, he wasn't at the front, but he'd be like, you know, seven rows back. And he would stand right on the aisle area because he would run. And work. I don't mean like run laps. Like he would run in place. And we'd start singing. And I'd see this guy. And he's just, and he's just, for, I'm not kidding you, for 30 minutes, I used to ask myself, well, I'm supposed to be worshiping. How many calories is this guy burning, right? Like this guy is just like running, running and sweating and just full and just running. And I remember sitting there going, man, just cut it out already, right? Like you're, you're showboating, you're whatever it may be, whatever I was thinking. And I was critical until I got to know him, until I got to hear his story, until I knew about his little girl and I knew about the life that God had delivered him from and how badly he was addicted. And him with his thick Louisiana accent in Rhode Island, who stuck out like a sore thumb, even in worship, he didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care about any criticism. He certainly didn't care about what I thought. All he knew was who God was and who he is and how powerful. And if all he knew to do, because he didn't have a dime to his name, if all he knew to do was to run in place and raise his hands and yell to God how glorious he was, that was his worship. But let me tell you, I don't think there was purer worship in that sanctuary than his. And after I got to know his story, he became one of my best friends. I got to hear his heart. My kids used to call him Uncle Troy. I would go to chapel, and I would stand in chapel, and when I'd watch him worship, it made me worship. I watched him worship, and it transformed me out of this critical, you know, point of view, whatever it was, position that I was on. And in fact, if I was having a tough day, I would come in and see this guy worshiping God and be amazed and blown away by his worship. And it would change the atmosphere in my life just because he worshiped. He didn't care about anybody else. All he knew was, man, I've got to give back to God. And that's what he did. And I thank God for it. God has called us to be extravagant worshipers of him. To love him extravagantly. And when you love God extravagantly, God will lead you to do things that make no sense to the critics. And unfortunately, some of the critics sit in the pews next to us. And if that's you, I'm sorry. But God can change your critical heart like he changed mine. But God wants you to love him extravagantly. God wants you to love him with everything in you. He doesn't care that it was perfume. You know what it was about? It was about the heart. Whatever was important, whatever it was that was sacrificial, whatever it was, but it was this extravagant love in this completely submissive way. Like, I don't care about the, the, the money behind this. All I know is, God, you were worthy. God, you were holy. God, my life will never be the same. That's the kind of worshiper I want to be. That's also the kind of worshiper I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there. Are you? How much are we affected by that kind of outward, like what is this? How many times do we count the cost, right? How many times? See, this isn't just about perfume. This is like, man, I want to worship God. And God says, I want you to go here for me. And we start counting the cost. It's going to cost me. 
What do I have to do? How do I walk away? Where do I go? What's this going to be? I don't know if. And we start counting the cost. And you know, one of, the, one of the pictures of worship that I think just jumps out of my mind comes from Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. It's where John is, is in this um, vision of, of, of heaven and he enters the throne room of God. And, and what he sees is, is these four living creatures and the elders and they're surrounding this, this throne. And, and, and it's like rainbow colors around this throne. He can't even describe what he's seeing in God. And, and, and then, then the worship that takes place of God is, is these living creatures just day and night never stop saying, Worthy, 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 holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. And then the elders come up and they bow down before him and they lay their crowns down. And this happens 24-7 forever. That's the kind of worship that God deserves. Like That's the kind of worship that he deserves. This God who spoke and form this world who's so powerful, who sits on a throne like that, would leave his throne room for a little person like me. He would leave his throne room because he cared enough about me and my mess that I got myself into. And he cares enough about you and your mess that he says, you know what, David? I care about your mortgage. You know what, Don, I care about your school and your toddlers. You know, Shell, I, I care about your addiction. I care about your job. I care about your apartment. I care about your house. I care about your alcoholism. I care enough that I'm going to leave where I am. I care enough about your teenager. I'm going to leave where I am to come to you, and I am going to make things happen for you. Do we thank him enough? I know I don't. I don't want to be defined by that. I know that God's not sitting there just saying, hey, you don't, but that's who he is. Man, we need to be praising him and we need to be glorifying him because he is worthy. I want to tell you that God is going to call you to extravagant acts of worship and I don't know what they all look like for each one of you. But there will come a time in your life where you will be in a place where you will probably think about counting the cost or believing the critics I just want you to know he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised and adored. And I tell you, when, he, when we praise him and worship him, the enemy shudders, mountains are moved, right? He occupies the praises of his people. Man, when we praise him, things happen. When we praise him, revival happens. What happens in your life? I know in my life that when I'm facing a trial, I just begin to praise him and thank him for all that he's done in my life. And all of a sudden, guess what? My faith begins to build. I begin to remember and realize who he is that I serve and how powerful he is and that he is never, ever failing me. Tell me one time where he's failed you. One time. I promise you. He has never failed you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to close. Let's stand with our prayer team. Come to the front. True worship originates from the heart. True worship brings out the critics. But true worship moves the heart of God. Psalms 95, 6 says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker and Psalms 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor 
of his holiness. My challenge to all of us, my challenge to me, is let's live a lifestyle of worship. Let's not reserve our worship for a Thanksgiving day. Let's not reserve our worship for a testimony time in in the church. But man, let's live our lives in, in adoration of who Jesus is. And let's watch him move. Let's see him. You know what happens when you live that way? People notice and it opens up a door. You know what happens when you love extravagantly? People go, man, I think you're crazy. Why did you do that? Let me tell you why I did that. Let me tell you what he's done for me and how this doesn't even begin to compare to what I did for him. Will you be a Christian that worships? Will we be a church that worships? Will it define our lives? I believe we can. Amen? Lord Jesus, we just come before you. I just thank you, Lord God, for your lavish love that you showed to us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't hold back Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't count the cost when it came to loving us, that you saw us and you came and you died on a cross that we might live. I thank you for the life that we have. God, if you were to never do another thing for any one of us again, you have already done more than we ever deserved. This morning, we thank you. This morning, we praise you and we worship you. God, we pray that you would forgive us for our ungrateful hearts, Lord Jesus. God, forgive us for critical hearts, Lord Jesus. God, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our eyes? Help us to see you. Would you transform us into the worshipers that you so, 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 so much deserve, Lord God? That we would worship you, Lord God, not in just the good times, God, that we would worship you in our trials. That we would recognize, Lord Jesus, that you have us. God, would you help us to serve you and to love you and in doing so to lead others to you. That's the one thing you've asked from us in response to your amazing love is that we would take your love and show it to other people. Would your love be realized in our life? Would your life be worshiped in ours? And would your kingdom be built, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, I know we've already done prayer this morning. These altars are open. We don't want you to leave without receiving prayer. We love you guys. We have a Christmas party coming up this week. We have Teen Challenge coming next week, which we're excited about. We will hear testimonies that they'll be sharing. We also want to give a second offering to help them and support that ministry. Amen. We'll see you Friday. Have a wonderful week. God bless.